God bless each of you, and as we think about today and we face uh, the challenges of our life, I realize that maybe this storm has really adjusted our focus. Uh, we realize how much we need God. We realize how fragile this thing called life that we have is, and we realize how much we need each other. And so we've regained some focus. But I think we see some things in life that sometimes is difficult to deal with, and it makes us very sad. If you've watched news, you, you've seen so many people have sad stories. And these are real stories. And, and though it may not be so bad in the area where you live or around your family, there are families out there that are terrifically saddened by death of their loved ones, or people that are in a hospital. They're people who are afraid, and they have tears. How do you face the sad side of life? How do you do it? Years ago, when I was listening to music, there was a song came on by the Lennon Sisters. You may remember them. They sang a song titled, Sad Movies Always Make Me Cry. And that's true. And some people don't like to see sad movies. But what, the question is, what is it that makes people cry? Crying be, can be caused by anger. You get so mad that just tears come to your eyes. You're so angry at someone or something that it brings tears to your eyes. There's also something that can happen which seems strange, that you can be extremely happy. Uh, seeing somebody at a wedding, why do people cry at weddings? Because they're happy. There's some other things that can cause sadness, like funerals. Funerals can make you cry. We cry for many things. We can also cry because something gets in our eye or we slice an onion and that makes you cry. But sadness produces tears of pain and sorrow. But what makes us sad? Is there a benefit to sadness? Some sadness is hidden. Some sadness is denied. Some sadness is real. In chapter 2 of Nehemiah, Nehemiah stood before the king and the king asked, I got a question for you, Nehemiah. Why are you so sad? Why are you sad? Why are you in tears? With reverence, Nehemiah stood before the king, and you had to always be careful in those days. If you requested a present for the king, you had to be in a special moment. And with reverence, Nehemiah revealed his heart to the king. He was sad, and others noticed. Nehemiah chapter 2, we see four lessons about personal sadness. Chapter 2, just five verses. During the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when the wine was set before him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. And then it says this, I had never been sad in his presence. So the king said to me, Why are you sad when you're not even sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. And I was overwhelmed with fear to reveal my sadness to the king. And I replied to the king, May the king live forever. Why should I not be sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed? Then the king asked me, What is your request? Notice the order in which he made his request. First, Nehemiah talked to the king of heaven. And that's what we need to do. He prayed first to the God of heaven. Before he answered the king of this earth, he talked to the king of earth, king of heaven. If it pleases the king, if your servant has found favor with you, send me to Judah and to the city where my ancestors are buried so that I may rebuild it. We see this great lesson of Nehemiah's story 
facing our country today. First of all, sadness allows us to reveal our pain. Why are you sad? They noticed the tears. The king noticed the tears of his servant. It's hard to overlook somebody that's crying. I heard a child the other day crying across the park from where we live. And you could hear that every home around there could hear that child crying. And I said, if he cries much longer, I'm going over there to check it out. You kind of want to check out somebody's crying. Why are you sad? And that's what Nehemiah did. He says, hey, I see tears in your eyes, and i got to check it out. There are a lot of things that call our attention to weeping people. I think there's nothing sadder than to be at funerals where I've had responsibility where there's a mother that's burying a son or a daughter and see her weep as she says goodbye to her child at the edge of the casket. There's the crying of troubled teenagers who just go through hard times, and those tears sometimes sponsor not only the cries of the teenagers, but the cries of the parents, the tears. But there's sadness of senior citizens. And you think about it right now. Shouldn't our hearts be like Nehemiah, broken? That there's senior citizens that would love to see their family, but have to see them through a window or on a phone call? Who would love to have a hug from a daughter, but can't do it because she can't be there? There's sadness there. There's some real lessons with Nehemiah's story. The lessons are, uh, we should be honest with what hurts us. Don't hide it. We should also be humble with what makes you sad. I and mean, he was very honest, but he says, I have a reason to be sad, but, but I'm humble. I'm, I'm careful saying this to you, the king. Sometimes tears can make you mad, but we shouldn't let that happen. Always look at the sadness of life and be humble. And then be open to what makes you sad. Some years ago, I was at a revival where I was the speaker. It was over in Irving, and uh, a family that I knew was sitting down the front, and, and as the church was ending, a lot of people were shaking hands, and, and there were quite a few people there. And, and that little girl that I knew was crying, and, and her mom was, had not noticed her at this point. And so I, I reached down and picked her up, and I said, Sweetheart, why are you crying? What is, why are all these tears all about? And she put her head on my shoulder and pointed in another direction and said, see that boy? He just stepped on my toe. Sometimes there's something that makes you cry. Sometimes there's things that make you hurt. When you're hurting, tell someone about your pain. And to all of you who are watching in homes and around that might be seeing this program, there's someone you can reach out to by phone. You can call me as your pastor. You can reach out through email. But if you're hurting, if you're scared, if you're needing something, reach out and tell somebody about your pain. Sadness allows us to reveal our pain. And secondly, sadness allows us to recruit compassion. The king got involved. I like that. The king. There is a resource and a source that we need to reach out for. And our government has applied some of that for us in these cases. But we have to realize we have to reach out beyond ourselves and recruit, other, recruit others to be compassionate with us. The queen quickly discovered, the king quickly discovered that no one had stepped on Nehemiah's toe, but someone had troubled his heart. Nehemiah, when you look at this story, had three types of fears and three types of tears. First, there were physical fears and tears. He said, the wall of my city of my ancestors is broken. The city that I was raised in, of all my family, it's destroyed. And the spiritual thing, he said, and my spirit is broken. And reveal that to the king. I'm hurting and I need some help. The king saw that physical, emotional, and spiritual tension of Nehemiah. And he says to Nehemiah, I see what's bothering you. I think somebody's walked across your heart like it's Texas. 
No, no, I didn't say that. But if somebody's walked across your heart, this is pain of the heart. And there's a real difference in tears. The king said, I want to see your heart. I want to hear your heart. I would challenge everybody that's watching this during this time or any time of your life to reveal your hurt by revealing your heart. Don't just reveal your hurt. Reveal your heart. Connect your hurt to your heart and people will get on board with what's going on. Don't just tell people about all your needs. Tell them about how you're hurting. In fact, speak, think about it like this. Let the cracks of your life show. Don't hide them, admit them. Years ago when I grew up in Oak Cliff, about 20-something miles from here, uh, my family loved fried chicken. Who in Texas doesn't love fried chicken? And there was a famous restaurant. Some of you hearing this are going to remember the name of this restaurant. It was in the Heights Shopping Center over in Oak Cliff. And there was a famous restaurant that was known around the city, even throughout the state fair, fair Naylor's Fried Chicken. Some of you, might, in fact, was at a congregation. I said, well, you raise your hand. And if you're home, raise your hand. Nobody sees you. But Naylor's Fried Chicken. Uh, and this little boy walked in as I'm taking a to-go order for my parents. He was just crying just terribly hard. And I said, what's wrong, son? He said, I lost my parents. Well, the, the manager of the store uh, came out and said, uh, where are your parents? He said, I don't know. They lost me, and I lost them. And he just started crying and crying. He could not calm down. The, the manager didn't know what to do, so he put some food before him and some jelly packets for biscuits. And uh, the little boy ate the jelly first. But I still remember, I still remember the statement that the, that the manager of Naylor's Fried Chicken and Hot, and Hot Shopping Center in Oak Cliff said, he took the child by his hand and set him at a table, and he said, Son, you stay with us till your father comes. We're here to help you. And what we need to happen in our world is in our anxiety, in our lostness as we face this disease, we need to stay put until the father comes. We need God's help. Sadness allows us to reveal our pain. Sadness allows us to recruit compassion. And the number one compassion we need to look for is the compassion of an almighty God. God, look in our direction. God, the Father, come see us. We're hurting down here. We're tearful down here. God, our Father, please show up. Even Jesus said this, our Father, which art in heaven. And we need to return our prayers, not to anxiety and worried about politics, but return our prayers and our hope to a Father that's above us who can look out for us. Sadness allows us to release our burdens. Nehemiah said, why shouldn't I be sad? And if anybody's ever asked you why you're sad, you, you might want to come out with that response. Shouldn't I be sad? I just, my car just quit. Shouldn't I be sad? I can't pay my rent. Shouldn't I be sad? I'm not hungry. Shouldn't I be sad because I lost my job? There are a lot of things that can make us sad. And to the king, the king said, what is the source of your sadness? And Nehemiah told him. There are many legitimate things that can cause sadness, but Nehemiah revealed these. I'm sad over broken people. Wow, can we not see that in our world? The hosts and thousands and thousands of people around our world that are broken right now, and it wouldn't, be, wouldn't it be right if we talked to the king of heaven and say, God, we're all sad down on earth. You're up in heaven on the throne. You're the king of glory. We're sad over all the people that are broken down on earth. Please, God, send help their way. He's sad over a broken city. There are many cities broken, like New York, other places, New Orleans. Dallas is quickly becoming a broken city. And he, Nehemiah said, I'm sad over the broken city. The city's not what it used to be. 
but it can be everything it needs to be with your help, King, if you'll help us. Then he just sat over broken walls. <laughs> Recently, many people have been broken. Their walls of their life have crumbled. Their security and their job, their safety in their home, their ability to buy groceries, their ability to pay bills, all that's been broken. Their financial situation has been shattered and the walls are down. The question we might ask, why, why, why don't we help them fix those walls? I think all of us who have ability with some talent, some skill, to reach out to members of our church and members of our community and try to help people repair their broken walls, we should do it. And we should hear it as a message from God that he puts on our heart. Reach out and help people in their broken times. There are people who are broken because of the health. We would be unwise and, and incorrect and unspiritual if we didn't pray right now for all those who are treating people. And I want to do that right now. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, there are people on the front lines putting their life in danger, helping people that are sick. Please give them, supply them with their needs, and mainly would you be their great protector and reward their sacrifice and, and dedication. We support them. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We should pray to God for that. There are people who are broken financially. People who can't make it. And, and as much as our world is trying to do something as a political way to make a statement there, there's something that you can do. There's something that I can do. If you have more than you need, share some of it. If you have ability to meet a need, reach out and meet the need. If somebody's stalled in, in, a, in their life and they don't know how to take the next step, go to them, encourage them by phone or text or any way you can, encourage them to move forward. There's an old childhood story. You remember the story of Humpty Dumpty? You remember how it goes, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, and all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. They should have done what Nehemiah did. They should have gone to the king. And if we look at our city and our world and realize how this is all crumbling all around us, all the king's horses, all the politicians, nobody can put it back together again like the king of kings and lord of lords. Why don't we call the king? And I'm here to say this to you boldly, that our world is in great need of many things, but the greatest need our world has is a need for the king of glory to step into the situation and help us out. So sadness allows us to reveal our pain, to recruit compassion and release our burdens. And sadness allows us to rebuild our life. He said in verse 5, so I may rebuild it. He was crying. I'm not sure if he was crying in by verse 5, but his, his tears led him to verse 5. And our tears sometimes can lead us to a place of rebuilding. And if you've ever collapsed and worried about something, and then you look back and realize, why well, was I sad? I was able to recover and rebuild my life so that I might rebuild the walls. We need to take responsibility as Christians in this world. We need to rebuild, rebuild, rebuild several things. I think we need to rebuild in our own life broken plans. How many people, if you were to look out there, how many people have had broken plans? We've had conferences scheduled here that we had to call the people and say, we can't, we're not meeting. And, and on a lower level, and I say a lower level, the Texas Rangers aren't playing because it's put on hold. But, but church has been put on hold. Broken, broken plans, the things that we want to do. We had committee meetings, planning meetings, and, and discoveries, and advancement. We we're going to take our church. And all those are put on hold. We had to rebuild those broken plans to, to not lose sight that there was a plan. And we've got to get back to the plan one day. Don't lose your plan. And then we've got to rebuild broken places. It begins with homes. 
It begins with our government where it's broken. It begins with rebuilding our financial structure for this country and our world. We have to rebuild the broken places, but we've got to rebuild the church. Somebody asked me recently, what do you think this is going to do to the church? Uh, I'd like to say that I think, and, and what I would think spiritually, that, that God has a way to rebuild it, and he does. I think we have a resource to, resource to rebuild like no place in the world does, the church, because we believe in an almighty God, and almighty God speaks to us even when we're not hearing sermons. Are you not hearing message from him right now? And God has a way to rebuild this place and not just this place. My wife and I pray every Sunday morning before we go to church, on Sunday morning breakfast, the first prayer is God bless all the churches that worship you and then bless ours. And right now we need to pray that around the world when churches are hurting, and churches will be like the many people in society, they're going to think, all the offerings aren't coming in. What are we going to do? How are we going to pay our bills? And many changes can happen. But we have a God who's in charge of the wealth. He owns the river on a thousand hills and the wealth in every mine. Our God owns everything. Rebuild broken places, but most as we return, one more broken thing, and just say one more thing, as we said previously, we have to rebuild broken people. When people are broken, we have to understand their tears. We have to understand their fears. Years ago in this church, we had a, a huge funeral. The, the church was packed and people standing around. And uh, I preached the funeral message, and there was a casket here, and we rolled the casket out. And uh, the funeral's going to be later that day, so I had time to come back in the church, maybe straighten up, lock up, and clean up. And I started looking around the church. And when we have funerals, we always keep these boxes of Kleenex around the church. Anyway, we have funerals. There was one on every aisle, every pew. And there were just Kleenexes just kind of strewn around, strewn around. There are hundreds of Kleenexes. And I thought, i got to pick those up. And so I started picking up tear tissues, and at first I thought, I don't want to do this. But I thought, we all have to pick up on each other's tears. I mean, sometimes we have to do that. So I want to say to you, be extremely patient and compassionate with people that are hurting and pick up their tears. And then I thought, something else meant something to me as I picked up all those tears, threw them in the cat, all those tissues, put them in the trash. I thought, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe all the people have gone through and they left their tears behind. One day, we will come through this and we'll leave all our tears behind. We'll lose our tears and we'll find, face our fears and find our victory in Jesus Christ. So I challenge you, don't fight your tears. Just be sure and face your tears. But make sure you don't fake your tears. Be genuine. It's important that we're really genuine. Years ago, there was a uh, family that owned a motorcycle shop here, sales company in Farmer's Branch. The name was the Carter family. And during this time of gas crisis, I decided I'd maybe try to consider a motorcycle. And me and the pastor of this church at the time, Joe Mosley, went down to see. They had a motorcycle there. They got 100 miles a gallon. And we thought, let's go each buy one and try to say, cure the gas crisis by driving a motorcycle. We got down there, and I was looking around, and they, and they were going to make us, their family, their family, the church, they were going to make us an extremely good deal. It was really hard to turn down. Uh, but um, I saw something on the floor by what I believe was a Yamaha 80. And uh, something, I picked up a bottle, 
and I picked up the bottle, and on the bottle it read, Artificial Tears. Now, I had never seen Artificial Tears. As you get older, you need those because your eyes get dry. But here's what I thought. I could see this scene setting out there. Here's a family. Their son's saying, I need a motorcycle. I need a motorcycle. And they're saying no. And he's turning around, doctoring his eyes, going, I need one. And he had artificial tears trying to get that motorcycle. Uh, don't, don't fake your tears. Face your tears. And find the victory. I began the message talking about the Linda sisters, sad songs make me cry. Chris Ross has a song that's a little different. He says, so much for the sad song. I got up this morning, he said, in his song. I walked out expecting it to be a gloomy day, and what I saw was not a blue day in my heart, but blue skies. I saw what God had made in this world, and I began to praise and worship God, and he said, I end out, when I face God above, so much for the sad song. I find my joy in God, and may you find that joy as well. David found it that way. In Psalm 30, verse 5, here's what he said. Weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. I proclaim to our congregation and all who watch this, there is a time of weeping, but joy will come in the morning. Would you pray with me? God in heaven, I pray you'd bless everything that we've done today and sharing in this service. I pray you'd bless the things we said and the scriptures we read and how we, we want to challenge our heart to be honest. If we hurt, we tell people where we hurt and how we hurt. But mainly, will we talk, talk to you as our king, how we're hurting? We ask you to bless our church. Give us wisdom and all the churches that are scrambling to figure out how to do what we're doing here today. We pray you give them increased ability, all the tech people like we have at our church, increased ability to be able to make this happen. I pray you pray, help all the staff of the churches to be able to reach out like our church is reaching out in every way through its, through its programs. We ask you to bless us and help us to do our best and doing, doing, doing the best we can in praise and worshiping you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.